Hammer and Rails, the Mastercast edition. We will be talking about Purdue football. Um, with me is the legend of Sean McCarthy on Hammer and Rails, also known as Drew Snyder. Drew, how are we doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Now, how much of a trigger warning should we give? Because we're talking Purdue football while the tournament's going on. This is not going to be pretty. Look, I'm going full positive here. I'm going to just wipe away the last... Uh Five years, pretend like we are headed in the right direction. I'm going to let you guys know how we're going to get there. So we'll all be pleasantly surprised in the fall. All right. Well, we went to Hammer and Rails and asked all of you for some questions. So that's pretty much what we're going to do. I'm going to be firing a bunch of recruiting questions, um, overall view of what we're going to look for next season. And we're going to start off with the easy one. How many wins does Hazel need coming into the season to save his job? I'm going with six. I think he needs six wins if one of those six are are uh, Indiana, then I think he's definitely got it locked down. Um, I could see him being fired with only six wins, but I, th- I do think I think six wins is the magic number for Hazel this year. That sounds right to me. You could probably quibble with five being such an improvement compared to last year. That's probably his biggest advantage. The expectations are so low. Here's a more interesting question to me. Do you want him to save his job? Hazel being successful is good for Purdue. If he could come out and put together a good season, I think hitting the reset button again is just not conducive to a winning program. Him winning would be the best, but that being said, if he doesn't win, he's got to go. Right. And to help him do that, he's hired, I believe, five new coaches. So can you give us a breakdown, Drew, of what we can look forward to with these new coaching hires? Sure. First, I'll start on the defensive side of the ball. Um, He brought in Ross Ells to be the new co-defensive coordinator. I think Ells is going to probably take most of the uh, play calling on the defensive side. He uh, is coming out of the high school ranks. He took a year off from college coaching to coach his son in uh, Nebraska. But before that, he was a uh, linebacker and recruiting coordinator at a uh, linebacker's coach and recruiting coordinator at Nebraska. And he also has some experience as a defensive coordinator at New Mexico State. And he brings 29 years of coaching experience. So he's... Uh, been there and done that. It certainly seemed like experience was a big factor in most of these hires. Yeah, only one guy that you could really consider is sort of a, a younger coach. I think he knew that he had to hit the ground running this year and he did guys that had been, been there before. <clears throat> there wasn't any real time to uh, bring around any sort of younger coaches. I know we're trying to be positive. Is there a pessimistic view of that, too, that he didn't want to bring any young up-and-comer that might threaten his position on the throne? I think if Hazel's gone, Purdue just wipes out the whole <laughs> coaching staff regardless. So I think it may have been hard for him to get some younger coaches just because this is, like, fairly obvious that this, if this doesn't work out this year, these guys are going to probably all be gone. Yeah, it's not a stable environment. How about on the offensive side of the ball? Because Shoop is gone. Shoop is gone, and Terry Malone is stepping in. He was the uh, tight ends coach last year. Malone is another veteran coach. Most of his experience as an offensive coordinator comes um, from his time in Michigan under Lloyd Carr, uh, where he actually did 
um, fairly well. You'll hear some mixed reviews uh, about his offenses, but, um, I mean, he was nominated for Assistant uh, Coach of the Year while he was there. He had, uh, you know, Chad Henney and um, all those little short little Michigan running backs that all put up, like, 1,200 yards. That's what I was going to ask. What quarterbacks did he have? Chad Henney was the, the main one that you will uh, will recognize. Who ended up being an NFL quarterback and had a pretty impressive career despite some physical limitations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Despite being slow. <laughs> so how does his program fit with what we can do with Blau, who's the new freshman that redshirted last year, Sindelar? Sindelar. Sindelar. I think you're going to see, uh, and what I've been hearing from spring practice, is they are stripping the offense way back. Um, you're going to see a lot of pre-snap reads instead of the shoop offense, where you had a lot of post-snap reads. Routes were dependent on what the defense was doing. Um, I think this year we're just going to line up, take a look at the defense, see what it's giving, and run the play. So I think it's going to be power run oriented with uh, some good some play action down the field passing uh, involved. Which with a new with a young quarterback and you know a really strong running game with Markel Jones and DJ Knox will still be there next year, right? Correct. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world to take away a little bit of the spread to have a consistent running game. But to have a running game, you need an offensive line. Right, and that takes us to Daryl Funk, who we brought in um, as our new offensive line coach. He's another really experienced guy. Um, He's also uh, a former Michigan coach. He coached under uh, Hope at uh, 2011 to 2014. Again, that's another guy you're going to get mixed reviews on um he was at akron last year akron put up 165 rushing yards a game and uh so he had some uh success there he only spent one year there before he jumped back to the big 10 with purdue so he was willing to sort of put it on the line there and what is he going to have to work with this year we lost a lot of you know senior leadership that will be interesting to see. Um, he's gonna, the offensive line is not going to be settled until uh, the fall. Sort of get into that a little bit later. Um, we've got some JUCO, a JUCO kid coming in that looks like a pretty typical tackle. Um, we're going to be moving some parts around, um, but I'll sort of get into that a little later. I see. So we have two coaches left, I believe? Uh, yes, I believe we've got uh, Tim Lester. He's going to come in and uh, be the second guy replacing Shoot. He's going to be the new quarterback's coach. Um, he's coming from Syracuse, uh, where he was the offensive coordinator for the last couple years. He is one of the younger additions to the uh, coaching staff. He played uh, played quarterback at Western Michigan, and then he played in. We've got an XFLer, former XFLer. Oh. He played in the XFL for. Did a he year. have a nickname? I don't see it. I don't see it listed. I hope to God he did, though. Uh, then he also played some Arena League football. Played some Arena League two football, and then he uh, sort of went into the coaching ranks where um, his first. Coached a little bit of Western Michigan, but his first real big job was at Syracuse. He did a pretty good job there. Moved into the offensive coordinator position. Syracuse was just kind of t- uh, a tough job. And, uh, you know, he took him to a bowl game, uh, or Texas bowl game, went over Minnesota. So he's beaten a Big Ten team before. That's helpful. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is literally just getting rid of Shoup. And if he's able to help, you know, just the offense simplifying – make the read simple. We do have some talent. So if we can make make it easier for all of them to just execute, 
You'll see yeah, a big improvement. Exactly. From what I've been uh, reading uh, or looking at, too, um, he's really getting back to basics with quarterbacks, footwork, <clears throat> getting the ball out on time. And I think a big problem with the Shoop offense is the quarterbacks were asked to do so much mm-hmm. at the line. The play calls were, like, absurdly long. Like, I don't think I could – play quarterback at Purdue just because I couldn't remember the, like, paragraph you have to use to call the play. You think that would be your limiting thing? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I get halfway through the play and be <laughs> like, uh, um, all my mental all my mental abilities would be wasted before the play started. And then and once we run the play, when, you know, once the ball snapped under the shoot offense, quarterback was looking, what's the safety doing, what's the linebacker doing? The safety does this, then we're going to do that. If the linebacker moves this way, then we're, our receiver is going to go the other way. And uh, I think under this offense is going to be about getting the ball out on time. What are we doing pre-snap? We're going to look pre-snap, and then we're going to run the play, um, which I like uh, a lot better for um, the talent we have. And that's that's pretty much where college football is going to nowadays anyway. It really started, you know, Chip Kelly over in Oregon. Everything looks complex because it's super fast and spread out, but really all the reads are simple. You you leave half the field and make a decision real quick, and you allow for, you know, your talent to just play. Exactly. We're going to be thinking less and playing more is my uh, is my hope for the offense this year. All right. So who is the last new position on the coaching staff? Actually, we, we there's two more. Oh, uh, two. Two more. I two more. Count. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, Randy Melvin coming back to us as the defensive ends coach. This is the one I'm really excited about. Um, he was there. He was at Purdue um, during sort of the heyday of uh, our defensive ends. Coached uh, Roosevelt Colvin and um, on those guys. He is one of our better pickups. He's coming from Miami where he just got uh, got canned, but he's uh, also been an NFL coach, uh, defensive ends coach with the Bucks. He's also bringing a lot of experience, and he has been at Purdue before, so he knows what's going on. I say Purdue has been a very defensive line, might be even a bigger strength than quarterback going on to the NFL and since those days, what's been happening is we've had really talented linemen that get drafted pretty highly and play well in the NFL, but they struggle in college. They yeah. almost become a better pro than they were a college player. Yeah. Now, the guys he Melvin had, um, also he had Rose, Rosie Colvin, who was uh, all, the all-time sacks leader with 35 total sacks over her career. He also had guys like Aiken Adele, who went on and played really well at Purdue and went on and played in the NFL for a long time. Uh, Chike O'Keefer played under him from 97 to 99. He had put out a lot of talent, and um, he's the one of the coaches that really got a lot of uh, positive feedback from, from our uh, former uh, players after he was hired. So that'll be good. We haven't really have a, had a consistent pass rush since uh, Kerrigan was Kerrigan? here. Yeah. yeah. So to get back to that will be very helpful. All right, and finally, our last coach, uh, we could just probably do a whole segment on just uh, the coaching changes. Uh, we brought in DeAndre Smith, another guy that's coming out of uh, from Syracuse from that staff. He's another guy I'm really high on. He has had success pretty much everywhere he's gone. Um, he was in Illinois, uh, New Mexico. Nobody has success there. UNLV, Miami, Ohio. He had a lot of success at Northern Illinois. Um, he's had guys like uh, Michael Shore at Illinois. 
And then Michael Turner and Garrett Wolf. Uh, he's a running back coach. Yeah, he's the running back coach. Sorry. Um, and uh, so he's had a lot of good players. He's put a lot of players underrated players into the NFL, and so he's another guy that I'm pretty high on bringing in. Uh, he's a guy that's played running back before. Um, he's got maybe some health issue concerns with uh, having played running back. I think he's got a couple new knees uh, going on right there. But other than that, I think uh, Smith is a guy that we brought in to really help out our stable of young backs, and we have a ton of young running backs on the roster right now. I say, looking at the roster, that's probably the strength of our team, just because we have, you know, three guys that all do something a little bit different. Markel Jones looks to be a stud. And then you've got a bunch of guys from the last year's class coming off red shirts, like uh, Tario Fuller and uh, Richie Worship, and um, so we're gonna have he's gonna have a lot to work with. He's got to be able to find something he likes out of that uh, large group. And especially with an athletic, uh, semi-athletic quarterback and simple reads, you can probably expect. Can we expect any zone reads from our quarterback? It's really hard to tell what Malone's going to do, just because he hasn't done it in a while he was at New Orleans as a tight ends coach after he was at Michigan so it's going to be interesting to see how much of the Sean Payton's offense he is going to try to add to uh add to what he does I don't see the zone read being a huge component I could see it being something we may you know do three or four times a game um but I think we're gonna I think the strength of our team is the running backs having the ball in their hands so I think you're going to see the running backs get the ball in their hands a lot more that's a great point you bring up, though. He's been working with Sean Payton, who is, even in NFL circles, deemed one of the offensive geniuses that we have. Even if he picked up a little bit from him, just how to use unique talent especially, it could go a long way to making our offense a little more sustainable, maybe get some big plays, just some creativity that we have not seen. I think we've seen a lot of creativity from Shoop that was just <laughs> didn't... I mean, it was creative, but you know, my daughter's very, my two-year-old's very creative <laughs> when she colors. It doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Okay, so let's move on from the coaching staff. And what we can look for now is the players that we have. What single position needs to improve the most for Purdue to have a more successful year? All right, I'm going to do go on both sides of the ball here. Um, we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball, and it's obviously the quarterback position. We've just had so much, you know, change from year to year and even inside of seasons. It looks like the talent's been there, but it just hasn't come together. We're going to see two guys right now in spring camp. We're going to Cindelar, the redshirt freshman, coming off of uh, a year of sort of rehab and working out, learning the offense or I guess that's not helpful now, but um, a year of you know of getting uh, back into shape after sustaining a rather horrific knee injury, um, his final game uh, in high school uh, in true Purdue fashion. So do you and think it'll be a real competition, or does Blau have a pretty big head start? Blau has – see, that's the thing with the new head offensive coordinator. I don't think Blau has that big of a head start uh, over uh, Sindelar coming into spring camp. He's got some more game experience, but at the same time, I mean, how much of that is positive game experience? He certainly doesn't have a lot of wins under his belt, so it's not like Sindelar is going to come be coming in to try to dethrone the uh, you know established starter who's 
put up some uh, big wins before. Blau played really well uh, last year in spurts. I think once teams sort of adjusted to him and started preying on a few of his weaknesses, um, he started to struggle a little bit more. Sindelar's a kid. He's got the all-time passing record uh, in the state of Kentucky. Touchdown passes uh, beat uh, beat out Crouch for that, uh, for that um, Tim Couch. And uh, so he is a guy that's coming in with a big arm. He reminds me a lot more of, say, uh, Chad Henney than uh, Blau does as far as, you know, play action, passing and pushing the ball down the field. That said, Blau's a great playmaker uh, where he can operate outside of the offense uh, probably a little bit more and make things happen. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting uh, competition coming in. Uh, I think Sindelar's got the arm strength. Blau may be a little more athletic and has the uh, experience under his belt. But I think those two, I don't think the quarterback position is going to be settled in spring camp, and that's probably a good thing because if Sindelar does beat out Blau, that means he's really good. Um, and if Blau holds on to the job, I think that also means that he's had a really good camp. It's not going to uh, sort of go to quarterback by default. That is a really good point. If Sindelar does beat out, you know, Blau might not have been great last year, but he has flashes. He has some physical tools. He actually does have a pretty good arm. Accuracy would be my biggest thing for his, especially on slant patterns and inside stuff. Um, but if Sindelar is able to beat him, that really does bode well that he, you know, took the job as a freshman he's feeling better healthier that knee thing's a concern is he i'm assuming he is just strictly pretty much a pocket passer um you know when he played in uh in high school he did move around a lot that's actually i believe he blew his knee out scoring a touchdown on the ground uh hmm. in the in a playoff game um he did move around a lot he's a big guy uh I believe he was also a, was an excellent baseball player in high school. I believe that was his second sport. He uh, is a guy that does have some athletic ability, and, I mean, he looks like a prototypical uh, quarterback, sort of. An NFL, if you're looking for NFL size, he's got NFL size potential and, you know, possibly NFL arm strength potential if he can put it all together. So he's coming in with uh, a lot of the physical tools um, you're going to look for. We'll see how that knee that knee's <laughs> treating him this year, but he's a good ways off from the knee surgery, so he should be firing on all cylinders this uh, spring and uh, fall camp. That'll be exciting to look for. So moving on to the defensive side of the ball, what position there do we need to improve for next season? I think defensive end is going to be the crucial position for our defense next year. If we can figure out how to generate a pass rush without having to throw a bunch of bodies at the line of scrimmage, that's going to help out our secondary, it's going to help out our linebackers, and that's just something we haven't seen uh, under Hazel for the last uh, his entire uh, career at Purdue. We just haven't been able to have that guy that comes off the edge and makes a difference. You're, I think you're going to see a bunch of guys competing, especially for that weak side defensive end position. You've brought in a couple JUCO guys to compete that I'll talk about in a minute. You've also got Jalen Robinson, who's coming off his – Hopefully, fingers crossed, first offseason where nothing is wrong. <laughs> There's no issues. He can just focus on football. He's the guy that I think if he can make that big step up, he's got the physical ability to really dominate from that spot. So you think it'll be more of a committee, or is there is he the standout name that 
has to step up to really make a difference. I think you'll see some uh, some special specialized thing, defensive ends. I think Robinson is the guy that could be the three down defensive end, but if he is not, I think he could also be the guy that handles it on first and second down, and then we bring a fresh body in on third down to really uh, ramp up that pass rush, uh, especially on passing downs. So if we can get a pass rush, does that mean we'll give up the eight-yard window that our cornerbacks have on every receiver, every play? That is the hope (laughs) that we are going to this year – the word on the street is that we're going to play more press man and less uh, eight yard off and turn our defensive backs into tacklers. Uh, and we're going to actually let them try to cover some people this year is the word. That is going to lower most of our frustration levels, I think, by about 200%. The Bowling Green game almost killed me last year, Casey. <laughs> it really almost did me in to watch us just stand back and let them basically play, you know, flag football. All right, so move back to the offensive side. What kind of a balance can Purdue have this year? I think you're going to see us skewed towards the run more. Um, That's just where our talent talent dictates. And strangely enough, that's what we've been recruiting to. We've been recruiting uh, guys that fit more in the, you know, run, play action, old school, Big Ten mold, and then putting them in this weird spread offense that just hasn't, doesn't work. What kind of guys, then, are we, have we been picking up that fit that system better? Like, well, I mean, bigger... if you look at, yeah, if you look at our offensive linemen, you got a guy like Matt McCann, who's uh, coming off his redshirt year, and he's... In high school, he was just a mauler coming off that as a right def- uh, right offensive tackle. Um, he's the guy that's definitely more of a run blocker. Same thing with Martise Patterson, who's another big dude on the line, you know, 6'3", 340. I mean, those are the sort of the linemen we've been picking up. And then our running backs, same thing. Markel Jones is a straight-ahead, you know, one-cut guy who's getting downhill. Um, same thing with DJ Knox is another sort of one-cut guy. Our wide receivers are sort of – we've really made a push to get make them bigger and let them compete down the field. It all seems set up for more of a run-oriented offense where, where we then take shots uh, with our bigger receivers instead of running some sort of strange ball control passing offense with our big offensive linemen, big running backs, and big receivers. So you're telling me Hazel's a genius and he had this in mind the last three years just so he could find an offense coordinator three years late that will fit the system. I have no idea what he's been doing. It doesn't it, – every year it doesn't make sense because this is what he had at Kent State that made him so successful was this two-back offense where both of his running backs got uh, was over a thousand yards and then he would take shots down the field with his with his quarterback and took a lot of the pressure off his quarterback put a lot of it on his line and his running back and he was extremely successful with that and he got to Purdue and we said oh we run a spread offense you've got to run a spread offense and <laughs> he just I mean that's just not what he does not what he did at Ohio State and that's not what he did at Kent State and that's what he's been trying to do at Purdue so I mean this, this is his last go you figure he might want to go with 
what he's actually good at. And there is something to be said for, you know, it's a market efficient or deficiency right now that since everyone is trying to go for the fast, quick, spread out offense, if you start to get the kids that are more set up for this ground and pound old school, you might be able to get better talent suited for that style of play than you would have any hope of getting a spread offense, you know, quick, lightning, fast receivers. It's the reverse Tiller. Yes. <laughs> when Tiller, Tiller came in, he was able to scoop up a bunch of guys that didn't fit the ground and pound ball control offense. Uh, like, you know, a guy like Vinny Sutherland coming out of Florida who wouldn't make it out of Florida today. You know, no, he's a little too small, a little um, and he's maybe more quick than fast. And so Tiller was able to come down and get him. Now you've got maybe a kid like, say, Richard Worship, who is just this big – massive hulking running back that maybe not doesn't quite fit the spread offense as much, but he maybe he's a guy that, you know, Purdue's able to bring in um, to play some fullback and some uh, running back because they're going to be running more of a traditional, I'm going to say closer to a pro style offense, but even, even in the pros now, a lot of it's gone to the uh, spread. So it sounds like one of the biggest issues or what's going to be the pivotal thing for our offense next year is how our offensive line works. So what is our best starting five right now? That is way up in the air because of uh, we've got a Juco guy coming in. Um, He was like one credit short of graduating and being here for spring practice. Uh, Jalen Neal. Uh, Jalen Neal's coming in from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. He's six seven, three ten, and you don't bring a JUCO guy in unless you think he's gonna compete right away for that starting job, and that's that left tackle job. Right now, Marquise Patterson's hold, uh, lining up there with the first team in the spring. Uh, he's a very good football player. He's going to have a spot somewhere on the line. I'm more inclined to say what position will this guy play in the NFL. That's kind of where I want him in college. And Patterson's a guard in the NFL all day. He's just too short to be uh, be a left tackle. I mean, he's 6'1", 340, and that's – Screams guard does not, you know, doesn't seem like that's really the the size ideal size for a left tackle, especially in a pass blocking situation. Now the interesting thing is we do go to this ground and pound offense. It may not make that much of a difference um, if he's not going to be asked to pass block as often. And when he does pass block, he's asked to do it out of say a play action situation where they're getting some of the defensive linemen held up with the play call. Right now it's going to be Patterson, uh, left tackle, and you'll see our normal King and Roos uh, are probably looking at the guard spots. Um, we're going to have a new center right now. It's going to be you know, like Kirk Barron's been getting good reviews. He's the guy we brought in to play center. He's coming off a year where he did get some snaps in. Um, I think he's going to be a red shirt sophomore and he's a guy that can is probably going to hold that center position down um, right tackle yet to hear the proper pronunciation of his name uh Berzu, Berzu, Berzu is I'm okay uh, with either of those they both yeah. sound pretty awesome yeah Jakubi he's gonna he's right now taking a lot of snaps uh, at right tackle he could win that job uh easily uh but you also have uh you know a guy like uh 
Sermon's back. He's a guy that's got a ton of experience, but he's also had a ton of injuries. And so he's a guy that you think once he's uh, ready to go will be competing at that right tackle for that right tackle spot as well, possibly even the left tackle spot. I have a question written down here that says, will the offense use worship? Worship is capitalized, so I'm assuming it's a person and not some, you know, actual worshiping. Yes, we will the offense use Richie Worship, who's coming in off of his uh, redshirt year and is the player that I mentioned as being uh, a monster in the backfield. I think he's going to be used. I hope he's going to be used. That's been my biggest complaint. Well, one of my biggest complaints during uh, the Hazel era is we just get these kids in and then we don't see them for like three or four years or we don't see them at all. Um, and we just, you know, run the same guys out all the time. Worship can be used as fullback, but he's got more than that in, in Ohio. He came out of Ohio in a little smaller school. And he was dominant when he had the ball in his hands, just running over people. He's got some good speed. I could also see him being used as like in an H-back situation where we sort of move him along, use him as an extra blocker, line him up as a fullback, line him up as a tight end, shift a tight, shift the running back out and leave him as a single back. Um, I mean, he's coming in at 6'1", 250. And we haven't seen that sort of wow. size since Mike Allstott. Um, and he's sort of got a little bit of Mike Allstott running style to him. So I hope that this is the year we start using some of that talent that we've been trying to stockpile. Well, with our offense coordinator coming from, like we said, Sean Payton's staff, he's really good at using talent out of the backfield in unconventional ways. So we can hope that he has some tricks up his sleeve from his Saints days. Yeah, I mean, worship might not be a guy that you run 10, 15 times a game, but he might be a guy you you know sneak in five, you know, five to seven carries and see what he can see what he can do in short yardage. It just seems like he's got to be the guy. Well, I mean, Markel Jones is. Markel Jones is very good. I'm just worried that we're going to want to wear down Markel Jones. I think last year he wore down towards the end of the year. As freshmen um, will do. Yeah, as freshmen will do. But he's he's a guy that just runs so hard, and uh, you see those guys go down with injuries all the time. Uh, so I hope we were able to take some of the load off of Markel. I'd rather have – Markel running it, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 times and be fresh as, uh, on those 15 to 20 carries instead of being a guy that's running, you know, 25, 30 times and not so fresh there towards the end of the game. Especially if we have DJ Knox behind him who should be able to pick up another 10 to 15 carries depending on if we're getting blown out or not. But um, with – a tight ends coach in the NFL coming to be our offensive coordinator, does that mean Purdue will get back to using tight ends this season? Is there a name to look out for? I really like Bryson Hopkins. In the last recruiting class, he's another redshirt freshman that has a ton of talent. He'll, out of everybody that will remind you of Jimmy Graham on our roster, our tight ends roster, he's the guy. He's a, he's from Nashville. He's a very good – he's a good basketball player um, who sort of transitioned to football um, – I made just a ton of huge catches. Um, he's a guy I was looking for in the red zone last year. He's probably not a complete football player, right? But he may have an elite one elite skill, and I really do feel like that's what we've been missing out on when we recruit these, you know, two and three star guys. A lot of them do have one elite 
skill, and they're just not a complete player yet. And we we seem to not be able have not maximized that one skill that they have and get them on the field and just let them do what they're good at. We're always like, oh, well, he's not a good pass blocker or, you know, he's not very good in the run game. I don't really care about that. I want Bryson Hopkins out there running the, you know, stop route in the end zone and throwing the jump ball to him because he's, you know, a big kid who can get up. Yeah, um, Nothing so. makes a quarterback's job easier than having a really big target that can stretch the field down the seams or even on a play-action rollout where he's able to catch the ball and actually get a few more yards behind him. Exactly. Uh, Hopkins is that type of athlete. Um, you know, at 6'5", 250, another just big, strong kid um, who can jump. So he's a kid that I would look for in the big plays uh, coming out. Of course, you're going to have uh, – let's see if I can pronounce his name right. <laughs> Jurisevich? Jurisevich? Jordan? Yeah. He's coming back. He got some good playing time uh, last year. Cole Herdman's another guy. Um, we, we've got – it's not like the cupboard is empty – the tight end position, we just haven't been utilizing what we have. So, I mean, those guys are probably more prototypical first down, second down type of guys who will run that little tight end out or sit down in the middle of the zone uh, and uh, make a big play for us. Uh, so there are some bodies there. We just have to make a concerted effort to use them. And I think we will this year see more out of the tight end position. It, I say we pretty much got nothing last year, so it can't be worse. On the defensive side of the ball here, you have some written down that's pretty interesting to me. Will Purdue use a four-two-five base defense? That has been the rumor in spring camp that we're running a lot of four-four-two-five, um, which is interesting to me because um, it would seem like linebacker is one of our stronger uh, position groups, and uh, the secondary isn't, but. I've watched my uh, Clemson Tigers run that basic, basically a four-two-five the last uh, several years under Brent Venables, and it's worked out well. Depending on who that fifth guy is in the secondary. Well, I think uh, just adding any like secondary an extra body should help our defense. Yeah. So basically, what I look for in that four-two-five is that third guy, uh, the the fifth defensive back to be a, a safety, right. um, somebody that can play up close to the line of scrimmage and make tackles uh, when they're needed, uh, but also be able to cover, I don't know, everybody's going to like this, cover the tight end. <laughs> um, and we've got a bunch of guys on our roster that sort of fit, uh, fit that mold. Um, we had some pretty horrific safety play last year. But our safeties were asked to do a lot of tackling because we were letting people uh, just throw the ball all over us. What seems um, important to me is if we're doing the four-two-five, our defensive tackles have to be anchors at the line to prevent teams from just running all over us. Do we right. have those big bodies inside? <laughs> In theory, we <laughs> do. There's some questions about Rayzon Howard. Well, is he is he going to be back? He's a guy that we can we really uh, need to step up. He's a guy that played really well as a freshman, that's been sort of dinged up and hasn't done a whole lot of anything in the last couple of years. Um, we need him 
He's a guy that could, at 6'3", 325, be that guy that really plugs up the middle and lets this thing uh, run. You know, he's got to take care of stuff on the field, off the field. And then you've got sort of a whole selection. Rapogel will be back. He'll definitely be one of the starters at defensive tackle. He is not the big run stuffer. He's more of a guy that's able to sort of get skinny and get through and get into the backfield. But you can do that. You can have one of those defensive tackles if you have that one guy that stuffs the run. And Howard needs to be that guy for Purdue. And also we'll need linebackers to be able to plug up the holes because we do – we did a pretty good job last year of getting pressure up the middle, and that yeah. comes on our linebackers to follow that up and hold off the holes that the running back sees. Yeah. So who are those linebackers? Uh, I think if we're going to play a 2 four, two, five, you're going to see Bentley and Izuchukwu, uh be those two guys, and they are perfect for it at both you know, over 250 pounds, um, pretty mobile uh, for those guys, uh, for their size. They've got experience. Bentley has been getting good reviews in the spring from being back from his ACL ahead of schedule. Um, he's kind of almost the unquestioned team leader on defense. So I think you're going to see um, him step up and have, you know, be back to his freshman form. Um, if we do play the 4-2-5, you see a lot of uh, late linebacker blitzes. If we're playing man, the linebacker is responsible for the running back. And anytime the running back stays in the block, you'll see a guy like Bentley shooting through the line trying to get the quarterback, um, if that's his uh, his uh, man, or as a Chukwu, who's equally adept at getting in there. Um, so I think that will be interesting to see. Uh, Marcus Bailey is a kid that got a lot of play his freshman year before he also blew out his knee, and mm-hmm. he's coming back and looking good uh, again this year uh, ahead of schedule in spring practice. So. He's another guy that um, would fit into that third linebacker spot fairly well. And a guy that's really athletic. He played running back and uh, a linebacker in high school, and he's another athletic kid that can. we were using him to cover the tight end last year before he jacked up his knee. I'm really interested to see what we do with Robert Gregory. He struggled last year as a free safety or as a strong safety. Just in general, he struggled. Um, he's a, a big hitter. He played quarterback in high school. Um, he's a kid that I think we could really work into that third linebacker spot as well and spin him up a, a position uh, and let him – because he looks like a football player. Man. He's got everything you want. If you were to say, what do you want out of a safety? I mean, is Robert Gregory big, fast. But he just ha- hasn't put it all together yet. And he's a guy I think could help closer to the line of scrimmage this year. Well, that makes me think Arizona plays a lot with an extra safety, and they pretty much just use him as a third linebacker. It allows you to be a little more creative blitzing, especially with quarterbacks in college. If they don't know where the blitz is coming, that's where a lot of the problems get created. So uh, we're getting close to the end here. Let's have you pick a sleeper player for next year. Oh, that's that's an interesting question. I am going to go with Jalen Robinson as a guy that just hasn't produced. Going to throw in that hat, huh? Yeah, I, as a guy, I'm, I've been I've been high on the Jalen Robinson, riding that Jalen Robinson train the last two years, and it's derailed. This is the year I really feel like he's going to put it together and give us that elite pass rusher we've been missing. I mean, he's just so strong and, you know, quick. He doesn't quite have that prototypical size. I think if he were to play in the NFL, he'd probably play outside linebacker. 
but I think he's the guy that just hasn't the big name that hasn't produced that I think this this is this, this has got to be his year. If you don't <laughs> if he doesn't put out this year, I think you know that's it. I don't think coming into a senior year is going to be the breakout. So I would say this is the year of Jalen Robinson. That's fair. For my for my money, I think Blau's going to have a good year, especially if we simplify the offense. Um, off the play action, I think he looks really good. He has a strong uh, strong arm to the outside. He throws a deep ball pretty well. I think it could be his year to step up and kind of get a little bit of a little bit of run as a sophomore and get some momentum for Purdue. Um, but moving on, let's go to two semi related. Are there any freshmen you see that are going to make a big impact? I think we've got a couple of special teams studs in this class. And these are guys that may not be uh, every down backs like I was talking about uh, right. earlier, but guys that you've got to get on the field for, and get a couple touches. Uh, Javante Ferguson coming out of Florida. He's the fastest fastest football player out of, coming out of high school last year in the nation. Really? Yeah. Um, he's As far as track speed goes, he ah. is – uh, won the 100, 100 at the, uh, I believe, AAU uh, championships. I mean, this dude can fly. He's a little guy, too, though. He's not very big, but he's really fast. Right. I can see him really contributing early uh, in the kick return game, something that we've been needing uh, for that spark. Uh, you can maybe see him a little bit of that. Uh, you were talking about Malone using people in different ways. You could see him maybe even running that uh, sort of a uh, Darren Sproles type player. Guy, you just get get a ball into his hands and uh, let him go. Brian Langford Johnson is another. He put up big numbers last year in Florida. He's not originally from Florida. He's a guy, that kid that sort of flew under the radar. He moved from Minnesota, I think, down to Florida for his senior year. He's another guy that can just flat out fly. And I would not be surprised to see a Ferguson. Uh, Langford Johnson duo returning kicks and either of them competing for that kick returning uh, or punt returning job. Speed is always fun. So this offseason came down recruitment wise pretty much to what JUCOs Hazel could get for us to try to fill in a lot of holes. So what do you think about our class of JUCOs? Do they come in and make the impact? Do they fill in holes? Do they bring leadership? We signed one JUCO on the offensive side of the ball uh, with Jalen Neal. And he's just, like I said earlier, just a giant of a man. Six seven, three ten. Again, as a guy is to say, what's the offensive tackle look like? What Jalen is Jalen Neal. Now can he come in missing spring practice? Can he come into the fall and really assert himself and take over that left tackle spot? Uh, I think Purdue would be a lot better if he if he does and let uh, Patterson slide over to the right side. So he's a kid that's just going to be really important to that offensive line success. And then we brought in a ton of of uh, JUCOs on the defense. Um, we went real heavy, looking for that pass rush. Uh, Austin Larkins coming in, uh, former Notre Dame walk on. He actually played as a walk on as a freshman and then decided to uh, go the JUCO route to get some more uh, attention and get some more uh, playing time. And uh, he's coming out of San Francisco, California, at, at that defensive end spot um, that we've been talking about as a kid that can, again, go out and, and get after the quarterback. We've got another uh, JUCO defensive com- end coming in from uh, Philadelphia. 
uh, Rob Simmons. He is a guy that uh, is another basketball player, converted late to football. He's a kid that's 6'6", 215. Uh, yeah, he's skinny. Like I say, he's a basketball player. He's going to come in, and and I could see him being that uh, rush specialist on third and long, coming in, getting after the quarterback, getting his hands up, deflecting some passes. And he's just a really uh, solid athlete. He's not big enough to right now to be an every-down defensive end. We've just got to find out what these guys do well and let them do it, do it well. I really feel like that's where this coaching staff has fallen down <clears throat> with some players. We also have a guy uh, in our secondary, uh, Christopher Parker, is coming in from San Jacinto, uh, California, uh, as another big option. He's 6'2", 205. I think we're going to try to play him some at uh, corner, some at safety. Um, he's a, sort of a flexible kid who um, will give us some of that size out of the uh, – on the outside to compete with uh, the bigger receivers in the Big Ten and maybe win some of those 50-50 balls. Uh, Kamal Hardy is another guy, Juco guy that we brought in in the secondary. Not quite as big, 6'1", 185, but he's another safety, and he's known to be a physical hard hitter, and he has some decent uh, offers coming out of the Juco ranks. Um, And so he's a guy that could – potentially step in as a juco and start uh from day one if any of the juco guys are going to do it on the defensive side of the ball i think it's going to be hardy as a corner or uh, a safety i think he'll mostly play corner as again as a big cornerback the one promising thing is i mean we were so bad last year at safety any anyone else brought in from the outside is probably going to be an improvement yeah i mean you see it with the recruiting uh, when you're bringing in to JUCO guys, and I always say you don't recruit JUCO guys to sit on the bench. And if you're a JUCO player, you don't come to a school if you think you're going to sit on the bench because you got two years and those, you know, that clock starts ticking as soon as you get campus. I will say this for JUCO players. I think JUCO players get a bad rap a lot of the time. It is hard to get through JUCO. <laughs> it is, especially if you go to JUCO because of grades. It is hard to get back out. I've seen so many good athletes get to JUCO, but you've got to be really self-sufficient. It's like playing college football, except you don't have people following you around, you know, getting, making sure you're going to class. I mean, you've just got a bunch of guys and you've got to decide that you want to make the effort to uh, become a better football player or better in the classroom. Um, So these JUCO guys are coming in with a chip on their shoulder and, um, you know, they know how to work because uh, they wouldn't make it out of the JUCO ranks if they didn't. That is a very good point. Okay, so now that we're here at the end point of the podcast, what do you think – how many wins do we get next year? Uh, I see six. Six? Do you think we get there? I think we get there. So another year of Hazel? I think another – see, that's the interesting <laughs> point. That is the interesting thing. If we get to six, we said, what does it take to stay in this job? We're going to have to decide if he gets to the six, if we're going to extend him or not. That will be the decision, hopefully, for the new athletic director to make. Uh, I think it depends on how we get to that six, too. If we're if we take care of the games we should and are really competitive in the other games and it's a solid six and maybe we go to a bowl game and look good, then I think – we extend him if it's, you know, we 
play well in six in the easy games, pull out a couple miracles, and uh, get blown out in a lot of games, uh, I think then he'll be in trouble. Um, but I think six is the magic number, and I think we finally hit it this year. Drew, your optimism is a light for all of us. I know. <laughs> All right, we're going to go out on that. Uh, this has been the Hammer and Rails podcast. Remember to go to iTunes, rate, review, comment, listen if you want, um, subscribe to it. Uh, same thing, we're on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Uh, for Drew Schneider, I'm Casey, and have a good day. See you.